Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk a little about side dressing corn. Your corn's probably getting too big for this, but nah, look, I'm kidding. All right, we know how early it is in the season. You're probably going, what? Why are you talking about side dressing corn right now? I have two feet of snow on my ground. There's an important reason we're discussing this today because what you plan on for later in the year absolutely changes your plan for early in the year. And there are a few things we want you to think about today before you just say, well, whatever I need to fix, I'll fix it at side dress time. Maybe, but maybe you shouldn't do that. So we'll get into all that during our show today. If you've got any questions for us, just give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. Okay, so you might be wondering, well, wait a second here. How? Why would I not be able to fix everything later? I'm not saying you necessarily can't, but one of the most important things we want you to do is check your soil to start the season. Here are the two main things or three main things we're looking for. Number one, what's your cation exchange capacity? How much nitrogen can you hold? We usually figure 10 times your cation exchange capacity. It's not an exact number, but it gives you a rough idea of what your soil can hold for nitrogen. So if I had a CEC or cation exchange capacity of 15, 15 times 10 is 150 pounds. The second thing we want you to look at is how much nitrogen is already in your soil. Now, sure, if you're in an area that has lots of rain and you have sand, then the odds that that nitrogen is all going to be there for when your crop needs it in a couple months, probably pretty slim. But in my area, we have heavy soil, not a lot of moisture. So the odds are usually very high that if I find nitrogen now, it's going to be there for my crop in a couple of months. And then the third thing that we want you to take a look at is what's your soil's organic matter level? The higher your organic matter, the more nitrogen your soil will release for free every single year. So that's a really big deal. All right, here's the other thing. What are you going to use that corn for? What's your goal? Well, on our farm for so many years, the goal was, like about everybody else raising corn, it was, hey, we want the most bushels possible. That's not my goal right now, or not my only goal. My goal now is we're raising a bunch of silage for dairy. They want more tonnage. Now, I still am going to claim that hey, more yield is the best thing for your your herd here, but they want more tonnage. So if I'm going to give them more tonnage, then that also can change a little bit about how you think about nitrogen. Because for years, we've talked about if you push the nitrogen too far early with corn or wheat or a number of different crops, you're just going to get more we we would occasionally call this luxury growth, where, oh, the corn's growing taller, but who cares about tall? We care about yield, right? Well, I do care about tall if I'm after tonnage. So this can be a real big thing where if you short your corn too much early on, it might not necessarily hurt yield, but it very well could hurt tonnage. So just be careful about what you're doing with that. I'd also say it makes a lot of difference if, let's say, you don't have a whole lot of nitrogen right now in the soil, and then you do things like, oh, I'm going to use ESN. I'm going to use ammonium sulfate. I'm going to use a nitrogen stabilizer. All these things, what they mean is your nitrogen may or may not be available for the plant right away in the season. 
ammonium sulfate, we often talk about, hey, it might take 30 to 60 days to fully break down. Okay, well, if I've got some other dry product or something that that does have a stabilizer or is some kind of controlled release product, is it going to be available when that crop really needs it? So these are all things that we want you to think about and things we'll talk about throughout the show today. Right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, little clarification on a question that came in yesterday from Kevin down in Nebraska. He said, uh, all right, guys, back to my question about the rye on pivot corners. I was wondering how much N to apply with urea and AMS. However, I want to mention this that I didn't put in the first uh, thing. You asked about soil test. Uh, the CEC is 4, and my organic matter is 1%, maybe 2 I'm just kind of curious on the timing. I, I guess I get the pounds, but what about the timing on applying urea and AMS in really light soils? Well, like I think he already knows the answer to his own question. It's a lot of times as human beings, we ask questions where we really don't want to hear that that right answer because we know it's going to be more work. And that's exactly what we've got going on here. I think we all know that a CEC soil of four is that's basically pure sand. It's not going to hold much nitrogen. Four times 10, by the way, is 40 pounds. We're just talking about roughly take 10 times your CEC. That's 40 pounds. And you're going to need way more than that for your rye, even if it isn't the best rye in the world. So our advice is going to be split apply. And I, again, I know this is some work, but like on, on our farm, when we have raised lots of acres of small grains, we have tram lines, so that way we can get back out there. We can stream bar some more nitrogen later on. Also, I would encourage you consider using, like like you said there, ammonium sulfate. Maybe you push the ammonium sulfate a little bit more because that will release slowly over time as compared to urea that's going to be available just about right away. So just some things for you to think about there. So, yes, stabilizers are going to be more important for you than the average person. ESN, ammonium sulfate, anything you can do for controlled release, great. Otherwise, you just have to split apply. And maybe it's more than one split, too. Like today, our topic side dressing corn. We don't have people typically that say, yep, I'm going to side dress my corn three different times. But you know what? If you've got really light soil, you're going to have to go out there multiple times. There, There's just no good, safe way around that. And you might say, well, I'll just try it the old way and just put it all on up front. You can try that. But the problem is if you get a year where you do get rain, you're going to lose a bunch of that. Well, now you lost money. Plus, you created an environmental issue where the nitrates went somewhere they weren't supposed to go. So you got all these things to think about. Thanks for the question. Thanks for uh, sending us back soil analysis as well. Really appreciate that. It helps us make the best decisions possible, like with today's topic, side dressing corn. We'll be taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. listening to Ag PhD Radio, and yes, if you thought, I don't know if I heard those guys right before, uh, did they say we were going to talk about side dressing corn? Yes, we are. And I know on our farm, there isn't a kernel of corn in the ground yet, but in other parts of the world, uh, in other parts of North America, there is corn that's up and growing and has been in the ground for a little while. Uh, one of those guys who has some corn up is our friend Caleb Trow down in Georgia. Caleb, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Darren. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, a lot of conversations that I've had this week are involving uh, side dressing corn because we've got some V4, V5 already. So as soon as this weather moves out, we're going to be moving in with our first side dressing applications. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so uh, you got a lot of different farmers that you get to work with. You got guys uh, with predominantly lighter soils. Do you have some guys with some heavy, high organic matter soils too? We've got some CECs up in the 8 to 10 range, but I would say a lot of what I work with is a CEC of 5 or under. I tell people it's like farming a spaghetti strainer because it makes it difficult for us to hold on to nutrients like nitrate, sulfate, borate, and potassium. And with the rainfall like we're getting today, I think we're at almost 5 inches in the last 48 hours with all that uh, rain and these low CEC soils is the perfect recipe for m- making side dressing corn work. You know, we we have to get that nitrogen into plants. And uh, like you mentioned with some of these lower CEC, especially when you have high rainfall, uh, keeping it in the profile is going to be important. But at V4, V5, you've got to have some pretty deep roots. Do you have roots that are a foot deep already? I sure hope we do. My goal is that we have six inch deep roots by the time the corn is spiking. We have a foot deep roots by V1. So I feel pretty confident that we should be at the 12 inch deep roots by now. Uh, hopefully with this rain that we've been having and some of these saturated conditions, 
we may not be able to pull things up from 12 inches deep right now, but as things dry out, I feel very confident that we will be able to. So what are the, the favorite forms of nitrogen growers will use at side dress in, in your area? Of course, some growers will do just broadcast dry fertilizer. Of course, then they have to deal with some of the fertilizer burn on the corn leaves. But I would say predominantly we do liquid nitrogen. So whether that be 28% or 28.005 UAN, we really like it because it gives us a couple different forms of nitrogen in addition to the sulfur that keeps things in ratio. And then we also use a 18% 100% ammonium nitrate liquid that works really well that has some sulfur in there through it. And those, we will wide drop it or put it through a pivot. I like the wide drop because in some of our strip till fields where we have cover crop residue in the middle, it keeps that carbon in the cover crop from tying up the end because we're only putting it right there beside the plants in the row. And then the other way that a lot of growers will apply a side dress uh, or, yeah, I guess you would call it side dress, but through the pivots, injecting it, uh, it's a great way to apply uh, nutrients later in the season, helps us get around that mechanical injury, or some people call it the iron blight. But one walkout that I do encourage growers to look at before we go putting uh, fertilizer through the pivot is that we perform a irrigation uniformity test to make sure that we're not uh, concentrating our fertilizer in certain areas of the field that we're getting a nice, even application. Yeah, that's a great idea and something we don't talk about enough here, Uh, just testing to make sure you're going to get a uniform spread. Uh, One last question for you, Caleb, and I know that a lot of growers do things differently, but how are you coaching growers to determine their nitrogen rate they're going to put on at side dress? We look at, of course, if we have organic matter, then we definitely want to take that into consideration. But primarily, we're looking at the grower's history of their Uh, nitrogen to yield ratios. Uh, That's something that we kind of struggle with. It's a little bit higher than a lot of other areas of the country. But we look at that in addition to our yield goals for each field and applying enough nitrogen to get our desired uh, yield potential for that field or either that area of the field. We want to make sure that we don't fall short. And then we will also utilize some in-season testing. We're now taking some advice from from some of you guys about soil nitrate testing, we're starting to incorporate that into our system to help fine-tune those rates of fertility. Yeah, I love that. There's multiple factors you have to look at to, to really dial this thing in. And I like also that you talked about just, hey, let's look at that grower's history and see what we've learned over the years. Uh, good to not operate in a vacuum. Good to take a look outside of just, hey, let's let's look at this one situation. Now, let's, let's just kind of take into consideration what's happened over the years and use a little common sense, too. Hey, Caleb, thank I, you. I like what Neil... Yeah, I was going to say, I like what Neil Kinsey says, that nitrogen management is more of an art than a science. Yeah, yeah, definitely some art to managing, especially when you've got lighter soils like like you're facing down there. Uh, I've been talking with Caleb Trow here down in Georgia. Caleb, thank you so much. Good luck to you guys as you get started on the side dress. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Let's head down uh, south again, down to Texas. Got our friend Reed Abbott with AgroLiquid on. All right, Reed, uh, you heard Caleb talk about that heavy ground over there, the 8 to 10 CEC stuff. What do you, what do you work with down in Texas? Well, we've got a variety ourselves, but uh, quite quite frequently we're, we're a little bit higher CEC than that 8 to 10 stuff that they're dealing with in Georgia, for sure. 
Okay, so you got different conditions. You got some growers irrigating, and Caleb kind of talked about some of the irrigation uh, concerns there as well. But you've also got dryland farmers down in Texas. When when you look at side dressing corn, what are some of the the common things that you're trying to coach guys to be be looking for and and deciding to get the most out of their side dress? Well, uh, as as we're probably all aware, uh, we can't count on the weather to be normal in any given year, and so. Uh, you know, paying attention to that weather, uh, you know, and, and trying to address those issues in that side dress, either catch up or slow up. I mean, again, that kind of affords us that opportunity to uh, evaluate what our crop's doing uh, a little later, uh, you know, how our stand was after planting, those types of things. But really what we've been focusing on, too, is uh, looking at nutrients outside of just nitrogen. So, sulfur, perhaps even potassium, uh, boron, you know, if it's if it's a little later into the season, you know, try to address some of those in-season nutrients even besides nitrogen. All right, you hit right on what I wanted to talk to you about. I had a couple of notes written down. I said, make sure I talk to Reed about sulfur. And I also wanted to ask you a little about boron, but let's, let's talk about the sulfur first. So a lot of guys talk about a nitrogen to sulfur ratio. Uh, what have you found? AgriLiquid does as much research on fertility as anybody we've come across. Uh, uh, if you found some magic recipe there that you need this much, or do you just kind of look at, hey, I need this many pounds for my yield goal? Well, I, I mean, there's there's certainly the the guys that look at just, you know, what's my yield goal and how many pounds of sulfur do I need or nitrogen do I need? I, you know, I'm kind of gearing my mind uh, more recently to that ratio type, uh, type, type mentality. I mean, I like that one to – eight or one to 10, uh, you know, pounds of sulfur for every 10 pounds of nitrogen or eight pounds of nitrogen there. Uh, I, I feel like those, those nutrients play, uh, play together in the plant, in the plant. I mean, metabolically speaking, they're, they're responsible for a lot of the same processes. And so, uh, applying them both together makes, makes the most sense. And, and that side dress application works well. All right. How about boron? Uh, I know you hear some guys talk about, you know, this is a great time. I've got uh, maybe low levels in my soil and I want to supplement a little bit more, or maybe I've got light soils or we've had heavy rain. I'm worried about boron leaching away. Uh, is boron another good thing to include here? We've we've had a lot of luck with boron in our side drift applications, particularly in wide drop uh, type applications or those, you know, Nero banding type applications. I probably would look for a, another avenue if we were side dressing right in the middle of a row. Uh, you know, but then again, we've also had pretty good luck in, in fertigation. So, you know, your previous caller there was talking about, uh, you know, irrigation and, and fertigation type type applications. And even with a nutrient as, you know, needed as small as boron, I mean, sometimes one or two parts per million or one or two pounds of, of actual boron applied is all we need. You would think that a broadcast application wouldn't be as effective, but we've we've seen very good results through uh, that that application method. Well, again, I'd mentioned the research that AgriLiquid does. You can go to agroliquid.com and, and look that up yourself. They do research all across North America. Hey, Reed, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Good luck to you guys here as you, you get going in this growing season. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. 
It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Get what you spray for, results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemmax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about side dressing corn. And I know it's a little early for us up here in the north to be talking about side dress, but not really. When we look at side dressing, we think about, okay, this is an in-season application of nutrients. And when you're planting a crop, you just don't know, man, am I going to get a great year? Am I not going to get a great year? You don't really know exactly what you're going to get for yield. You're always guessing. This kind of gives you a shot a little ways into the season to say, you know what? Things are off to a great start here. Weather forecast looks really good. I've got plenty of moisture stored up in my soil. I got a great shot here at big yields. This could be the shot to add a little bit of supplemental nutrition, but it also could be for the guys like our first guest today, 
really light soils, can't hold much for fertility, uh, gives them a chance to great. I can still get good yields. I can hold a little bit of fertility. Once that gets used up, I can put some more out there and recharge things in my field. So lots of ways to look at side dressing. We definitely look at it as part of the fertility program. Uh, let's head out to Purdue. We got Jim Camperato with us right now to talk a little more about this. Jim, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, so soils vary a little bit as you travel across the state of Indiana, and, and certainly even within fields, we see some variable soils out there. Uh, what are some of the things that, that growers should be thinking about as they put together their programs for some of the leachable nutrients, like nitrogen gets talked about a lot in side dressing, but uh, a growing number of farmers talking about sulfur as well? Yeah, so both of them uh, move similarly in most soils, and so they, they both can be be leached in, in sandy soils, so we definitely think about side dressing the sandy soils to delay the application and uh, give the plant time to establish a, a bigger root system and um, use some of that early season water. Um, and then side dressing uh, is also beneficial on the really poorly drained soils where we can get uh, losses to the air from early nitrogen applications. Yeah, one of the things that's changed in my lifetime, Jim, I remember when we were young, growing up on the farm back in the uh, late 70s and into the 80s, uh, if dad was going to put on some more nitrogen, it might be with a cultivator and he might be doing some tillage in between the rows, but mm -hmm. he was always worried about, I'm going to prune off too many roots. Well, now we've got things like Y drop and, and other application methods where we don't necessarily have to prune any roots off. Has that changed things as far as how growers are looking at this or, or with any of the research that you've done? Yeah. So I, I think particularly with anhydrous side dressing, um, Later in the season, as the corn gets taller and you get more roots in the middle, that definitely can affect those roots that are out there already feeding and, and burn them off and set them back. So I think uh, band, banding on the soil surface, either with a wide drop or with drop not, uh, drops, would be could be helpful. You know, as the corn gets taller and the roots get out in the, uh, the middles where you're going to be putting your nitrogen normally, or even if you put it closer with the Y drops, that might be an advantage compared to uh, ripping through the middle of that established root system with a, a knife or a coulter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, another thing that, that we think about, too, is just the yields that growers are getting now. And I, I know when we were young and growing up, uh, uh, our yields were not very good compared to what they are today. In fact, they're almost doubled just in, in one generation. Uh, as, as we get to higher demands, uh, that does change things a little bit with this nutrient mix. And, and I, I guess I hear more growers talking about this. Have you seen that kind of change in Indiana as well, where more growers are just talking about a higher demand for nutrients? Yeah, so the yields are higher, and we definitely remove more nutrients in the grain for, well, more phosphorus and potassium. Um, if you look back at the research, it, you know, in our lifetimes, uh, the, uh, the nitrogen concentration has really gone down quite a bit in the grain. So the protein is lower and the crops aren't 
aren't removing as much nitrogen in the grain. And I, I think that's one of the reasons we haven't seen the optimum nitrogen rate change a whole lot uh, with this persistent increase in yield we've seen, what, over the last 70 years, maybe, since since uh, hybrid corn became popular in the, in the 50s. So um, I think, yeah, definitely the higher yields are removing more, more of most nutrients and removing more nitrogen, but the, the nitrogen hasn't, removal hasn't increased as much as those other nutrients have that have been pretty, stayed pretty consistent over the decades in their concentration in the grain. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at things, too. I know a lot of farmers will talk about soil tests, so we aren't really expecting to see a huge numbers of nitrogen holding up from year to year in the soil. But mm-hmm. uh, definitely the grain gives you a good indication of what you're actually getting in there and getting to the right place to to influence what's going on for, for yield. I, I look forward to, Jim, I think in our farming careers yet, I think we're going to see where uh, this becomes a bigger deal. I know we talk about this in soybeans, too, that uh, we've got different oil and protein contents than soybeans raised in different parts of the world. And, and some of those things, I think, growers are going to be called on to try to improve uh, in the in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and you mentioned sulfur earlier, and that really uh, influences the types of proteins that are made as well as the yield. And so I know and definitely in soybeans that's an important factor in uh, producing the right combination of amino acids in the grain. Yeah, really interesting topic here. Uh, We're talking with Jim Camperato here with Purdue. Jim, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Look forward to talking to you again down the road. Sure thing. Have a great day. You bet. You as well. Uh, Let's head over to Illinois, uh, just across the border. Got our friend Keith over there who farms in Illinois. How you doing, Keith? Doing all right, Darren. How are you? Good. All right. Side dress nitrogen. Is that a big deal for you on your farm, or are you trying to deal with it all with a pre-emerge treatment? Uh, it's it's definitely a big deal on our farm, uh, Darren. We uh, we we tend to use use anhydrous, and I have uh, really been toying with the idea of maybe switching and being able to you know maybe put some different nutrients on, like you were talking with Jim. Maybe being able to put some put some sulfur on along with it, but I just haven't made that jump yet. With anhydrous, can you still get it at a at a lower price per unit than the other forms of N in your area? Uh, you can. It's usually cheaper than the UAN, but uh, right now urea has been pretty the dominant one as far as price goes. Sure, sure. Yep. Yeah, a little different application, uh, but uh, if a guy's set up to, to do that and, and make that work, that's cool, too. Uh, now, you say the sulfur. Right? I guess, what are you doing on sulfur now, and, and why don't you like your program, or why do you think you need even more? Well, I, I guess I would. Uh, what, what I've been doing is uh, spreading, spread some ammonium sulfate in the spring. Um, our, uh, our soils are fairly light, uh, and I, I feel like I could probably benefit maybe get a little bit of sulfur in season along with the nitrogen. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, you hear Illinois, Keith, and you just think, oh, man, it's going to be just heavy soils, tons of organic matter, but that's not the case everywhere. There's definitely a variability. And so, I mean, Illinois is a big state. It is, and, and uh, we, we definitely, uh, I mean, we've got a little bit of heavier soils, but our heavy soils are, 
somewhere between like 15 and 18 in CECs, and our, you know, most of it is in the 8 to 12 range. Okay. And so, you know, we're, we're definitely looking at at least, you know, two passes of in. Uh, but we, we put a lot of hog manure on, too, so I'm kind of go back and forth where I'm, you know, getting a little bit of sulfur there and just, you know, dedicating to one program makes it a little more difficult because all of our acres are, are not covered with the manure, and it just makes you have to, you know, have a few different plans in different places. Well, like everything else, I love that you're taking multiple swings at this. You got some manure, you got uh, some... Uh, fertility that you put out at planting time you got a side dress option as well and who knows maybe maybe even an additional side dress option as you start talking about potentially adding some sulfur into that equation too uh, we're talking with keith over in illinois keith thank you so much really appreciate you sharing a little bit about your program good luck to you here heading into the spring enjoyed it Darren. thanks for your time you bet thank you we're talking side dressing and corn on today's program stay tuned you can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trifold, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. 
Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio, just taking your calls, talking about side dressing corn and other topics as well. Next on the show, we got Carl calling in from down in Texas. Carl, how are things down there in your state? You got some corn out of the ground? No, we ain't even got it planted yet. It's been too wet. Well, we've been too snowy, so I guess uh, we're both kind of in the same boat, just sitting here waiting for a little while. How soon do you think you might be able to get out in the field? I'm hoping we get one day this week. Oh. and and Make a day and a half, but we're going to have to work it. Yeah, and can I assume that being too wet is, uh, you're you're not too sad about that? Because, I mean, a lot of Texas is really dry. Oh, it's it's a problem because we're running out of time. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, we like to quit planting the 1st of April. And, of course, the, final, the insurance state's the 15th. But if you plant out the 1st of April, you ain't going to make much corn. Gotcha. So we're, we're running out of time. Yep. And uh, so I got 80 acres planted the other day, and okay. then it rained that night. And it's rained every Thursday or Friday for, I don't know, a month and a half, a month. <clears throat> so you might get a day. Or a day and a half. Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's too so bad. It's, it's kind of a bummer. But anyway, what I'm calling about, I've got a really good side dressing machine. Okay. That, but it's got cultures. Yep. And cultures do a good job of putting it in the ground. But yep. the problem is it makes the trench. So when it dries out, you have a trench between each row. Okay. And if it don't keep raining, then you're not going to make much. Like... Last year we side dressed and I got one rain and never rained again. And then our corn made from 30 to 50 bushel. And it was, it's horrible. Hmm. But the guys that made, a couple guys that made some corn, I'm talking 80 bushel versus what we were making, um, they put all their nitrogen within six inches of the plant. Yep. Side dressing like with Y drops and stuff. But I've always thought that you encourage root growth when you put it in the middle. But our problem is starting to be, and how it actually always has been, a trench down the middle. Gotcha. two foot deep. Oh, wow. So, so anyway, is the Y drops just putting that notching up against the row or within six inches of the row, is that really... I mean, I, I was going to say it's really an option, but I mean, there's more and more people using wide drops. Yep, that's right. So I, I would just say this, Carl. We have done wide drops. We've done similar things. We've also drug hoses. We've we have injected nitrogen. We've done just about everything that's possible to do in corn. And I would say this: it does depend a little bit on your situation. So let's talk specifically about your situation. When you're going out there with coulters, um, it's I don't ha- I'm not going to say I have any real big issue with it. Sometimes people worry about getting too late and cutting off some roots. That's one concern. The other concern is now the the nitrogen is 
if you're in 30 inch rows, it's 15 inches away from the plant and it's probably a few inches away from the roots until they get growing a little more. But a lot of times the the plant will pick that up. But when you talk about a two foot deep trench there, and I I haven't, and maybe I have seen your soil test, maybe you've sent them in at some point, but I don't, if you did, I don't remember. All, All I'm getting at here is usually when we see a big trench after you've done something like that, it means we have high magnesium soils. And if we have more calcium in ratio with the magnesium, a lot of times the the soil uh, fills back in a little bit better. You could also change something up on your coulter machine, on your side dress machine, so the, the dirt closes back up again. Think like a planter, for example, and how we close things back up. So, I mean, there there are ways around that, but do you know, do you, do you have high magnesium, or why do you think you're getting such deep trenches after the coulter's gone through? Because we got such heavy clay and it gets dry. Yep. Yep, and a lot of times... I mean, like, I'm not talking about ahead. the day after. I'm talking about, yeah. like, at corn-filling time and yep. stuff like that. That's when you end up... I mean, sometimes when it's really dry, you got to watch where you walk. Yep. But, that, we, we have some ground um, so, exactly like that. It's high magnesium ground, and that's that's where I'm going with this long-term. It, it, so if you send us your soil test, I can take a look, and I can tell you really fast. But we have fixed a lot of those things. We've changed a lot of those things by changing the ratio of calcium to magnesium. I'm not going to say it's super profitable otherwise, but that is certainly an option. But like in your case, yeah, calcium if, is so high. It is it is really high. Okay. Uh well anyway. Oh yeah. Okay. It's, I mean high. Okay. Well, uh and the calcium can be really high. It's just how high is the magnesium because our soil is also ridiculously high in calcium, but it's also ridiculously high in magnesium and that's causing the problem. The magnesium ratio is just too high compared to the calcium. But anyway, coming back to your statement about or your question about why drops and and putting nitrogen on that way, we are all in favor of that and we like to do that on our farm too if we think we're going to have rain fairly soon. So you can certainly put a stabilizer with the nitrogen if you want to help it stay there a little longer, but sooner or later you have to have rain. And our problem that we run into up here is very often we go a month with no rain. So like on our farm last year, we were in drought and our guys were like, okay, we got to do the wide drop thing. And I go, guys, there's no rain in the forecast. There's no moisture in the ground. I'm not real hip on that. Let's, let's go side dress. And then we know at least that nitrogen's protected. And I'm super thankful that we did. Our yields turned out good, but we didn't get rain for a month. So if we would have laid the nitrogen on the soil surface, we would have lost a bunch of it. So that's really the biggest factor for us. Yeah, Yeah, we didn't have any rain for like 70 days, and we had nearly 50 days, 100 degree days in a row. Yeah. And the wind blew, and I mean, some of them stocks, they didn't have no ears on them. Some of them didn't even pollinate. I mean, it was just, in fact, I planted Milo it didn't even head out right beside the corn. Yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. I remember when we talked last year, Carl, and, and things were pretty tough down there. But, I, I again, I would kind of come back to, hey, if you want to do this other method and use some wide drops or something, we're all in favor of that. It's just you got to have rain sooner or later. Otherwise, that nitrogen certainly isn't going to help yeah. your crop. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's guys, a neighbor of mine, He's actually driving at an angle across his rows, dragging hoses now versus sure. using the culture machine. Yep. Just yeah. running. I mean, a sprayer and yeah, yeah. We've done stuff. that. 
And yeah, we've done that before, too, dragging hoses. We've never gone at an angle. I don't know why he wants to go at an angle, but... Uh, but yeah, we have drug hoses before too. I'm I'm fine with that. We like the idea of the Y drops just because it does keep it a little bit closer to the row and the odds are the plant's going to recover some of that nitrogen quicker. So because we're in a lower rainfall environment, I like that. Um, I, I want to get the nitrogen into the plant as soon as possible. And then I, I don't well, the have problem, the risk for the, loss. Yeah. yeah. Well, the reason is going at an angle because you go down the rows and you're putting so much pressure between two 30-inch rows yep. that you don't make no corn anyway. So just because the ground, even when you plant and the ground's pushed up and you plant on top of that ridge, you're not going to make no corn on that row. And then you take a side dress machine and you're running the same tracks. And then sometimes you're running the same tracks with the sprayer. Sure. You're not going to make any corn in them rows. Sure. So the thing about it is if you go at an angle, even though you run over stock, the the chance of that the stalks right beside it at making a bigger ear are better and possibly make more corn. Mm -hmm. If you run down the same rows and rows and rows same time, you're never gonna make any corn in them rows. Mm. Yeah, uh, with with our farm now, we have a 120-foot sprayer, so when, when we talk about big fields, boy, we don't have a whole lot of tracks out there. But, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's tough when you start running over the same spot again and again and again. Hey, Carl, uh, yeah. we, we want to wish you the best yep. of luck down there. I, I know last year was a tough year for you. Hang in there. Hopefully things will straighten out this year, and the crop will be a lot better. <laughs> it's going to get going, i tell you that. <laughs> All right, All right. We'll, we'll, we'll pray for a little dry weather, and then we'll pray for rain again for you. So good luck yeah, down there, go. Carl. Yep, good All talking right. to you. All right, well, we're talking side dressing on corn, but of course our phone lines are open if you have another agronomic question more pertinent to your farm. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. 
You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. The hardworking independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health through awareness, guidance, and action. Together, we can uproot the stigma. listening to Ag PhD Radio. I love when we get a topic like this. We're talking side dressing corn today and all of a sudden it comes, all right, there's a lot of different ways to get nutrients out there. What about this? What about that? What about irrigation? What about dryland? What about manure? And we got another one of those manure questions here with Walter out in the state of Washington. Walter, how are you doing today? Good, good. So we got we're not nothing, you know, we're not really farmers. We're in the livestock business, cow-calf and a few hogs. <clears throat> but we try to put that manure. We just got a pumper truck on the back of a truck, and we just broadcast it out on the ground. And I don't, we don't even know what we're doing, and I just listen to you on the radio. So I just said, well, I'll call you guys and see how what I'm doing wrong and how to do it. <laughs> There you go. All right, Walter. First of all, thanks a lot for calling in. We appreciate it. A uh, couple of things that we would like, and it, so if you get a chance, if you could email us, that'd be great. We'd really like to see a, a soil test, and we'd like to see a manure test. So then we know what what your soil can hold, number one, and number two, what nutrients it's short on, and along with that, what does this manure really bring us? But when you say you lay it on the soil surface, let's take it a step further. Do you till it in then? Are you no-till? What are you doing with it then? No, we just put it out. Like I said, we're in the livestock business, and we don't uh, really have anything to farm with, so it just goes out on top of this. We live right on on the Snake River on the below Lewiston, Idaho, and all we got is river bluffs and dry land, bunch grass, cheat grass, run cows. We go to the mountains in the summertime higher country, but we just dump it out on the ground, and on the alfalfa fields, we don't till it or nothing. We just put it on when in between cuttings and stuff. Okay. So are you, what else are you putting it on besides alfalfa fields? Well, just dry land pasture, river bluffs. Oh, okay. Wherever gotcha. we're down a ridge or whatever we can go. Gotcha. Well, um, 
yeah, I don't know that there's a whole lot more you can really do when you're talking a perennial crop, alfalfa, or a perennial grass in pasture, other than laying right. some out there. It, the biggest thing would be being a little bit careful with the rate, number one. And number two, it's thinking about the nitrogen. So one of the big things that's coming for more regulation around the world is what's happening with the nitrogen. What what the governments don't want around the world is nitrous oxide going up in the air because that's a really bad greenhouse gas. So basically, you got to luck out, and I know your area doesn't get a tremendous amount of rain, but you got to basically luck right. out and get rain to move the nitrogen down in the ground. Otherwise, it's got to be stabilized. And granted, the thing with nitrogen, part of the the nitrogen in there is going to be ammonium nitrogen, and that's going to be much more stable. It's going to stick around for a long time, but it's the nitrate that we would worry about that's in that manure. That stuff is not very stable, and we we just we get very concerned about that. So how much manure are you putting on on a per acre basis right now? Boy, I got no idea. We get, we got a 60-acre piece of alfalfa here lays right along, along on a river bench. Yep. And we just we just dump it out on there, and it takes probably two years to get over it. You know, we'd never put it on the same place. Sure. We just keep going on and on and on. When we get done, we start over. Gotcha. Yep. And Okay, so this will kind of indicate to me how you're doing on rates. How's the crop before and after you put this manure on? Well, I think it, it helps it. It makes it brighter green, and the rest of the outfit around here thinks I kill an alfalfa. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the issues we have in your area, and both Darren and I have done a lot of meetings and workshops, and we spent a fair amount of time out in that area, a lot of times we see really low soil pH, and that's the biggest thing that hurts alfalfa production out there. It also, I mean, if you're able to get that, that soil pH raised, you get a little more alfalfa production, which means that it can better handle the manure that you do put out there. So that'd be one of the things that I'd pay attention to is keeping that that soil pH up on alfalfa, usually at like 6.5 pH or higher. If it's lower than that, your alfalfa gets hurt for sure. So anyway, I, I, I don't 6. know what 6.5 and above for alfalfa. Yep. Yep. If it's less than 6.5, I will promise you it is hurting your yield and your tonnage on that alfalfa field. Okay. So anyway, I, I guess just from the little bit of information you've given us here, I don't know that I have any real fantastic recommendations for you other than if at some point you want to send us any soil tests, manure tests, anything like that, then we can maybe fine-tune this a little bit more. But, yeah, we do get a little worried when you say it's going to be left on the soil surface. I just want to make sure we have rain, hopefully, in the not-too-distant future so we get that nitrogen down in the ground. Most everything else, not a problem. Yeah, well, on the pasture land, it is, you know, it's dry. Our annual rainfall here is maybe 12 inches. Yep, and I all know. All our alfalfa is irrigated, so that'll help push it down. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Yep, that's a good thing. Uh, one thing, too, yeah. that I will say, in manure, there is a fair amount of phosphorus, and phosphorus doesn't move well in soil. And so, like with your alfalfa, if, let's say, you have it in there for five years, seven years, however long it's in there, 
if at some point you did some tillage, you could move some of that phosphorus down, but phosphorus just doesn't move. I don't care how much water you want to put on there. It's just okay. not going to move into the soil very well. So that's just something I'm going to throw out there for you. So just kind of keep that in mind. We, we talk a lot of times with alfalfa production, we want to get the phosphorus and potassium down in the ground a little bit. So it's down where the roots are rather than laying in the soil surface. You get more production that way too. So just a few things for you to think about there. Okie dokie. All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks for calling in, Walter. Appreciate it. And good luck out there. You bet. Bye. All right. Let's head, let's next. head, oh, head go ahead. down to Kansas here. We got Steve on. With, wants to talk a little bit about side dressing. How you doing, Steve? Well, pretty good. I'd do better if you'd share some of that moisture you've got up north. Oh, it's coming south. <laughs> we, it's heading right down we, the river. Believe me, we don't have that much moisture. We've been in two and a half years of drought. Now, we got some snow. I, I'm happy to share snow with you just about any time, but yeah, it's a little bit rough. So what can we do for you today, Steve? Uh, my question is fertigation versus Y drops. Do you? We currently fertigate three to four times on our corn in the summer. Love it. Do you think there would be any advantage to nope. doing some of that with a Y-drop? Nope. Nope. I'd continue to run fertigation. Okay. Love fertigation. All right. So it's fantastic. You're, you're, you've got the water right with the, the fertilizer you're putting out. It's going to end up going into the ground. You're also splitting things up a bunch. I wish we we had irrigation here in our farm so I could split it up three or four times like you're talking about. I guess about the only thing that I would say is I don't know what you what else you're doing for fertility with nitrogen then, but a lot of times we talk to guys with fertigation who are also putting some sulfur and just a little bit of boron on every time, and that's been working working out pretty well too. So what, what what are you doing? Is it just nitrogen? Are you doing some other things? No, per your recommendations, we've been running 15% thiosol with our 32. Gotcha. Yep. So yeah, the only other thing that you might want to consider would possibly be just a little bit of boron. Doesn't You don't have boron. to spend much or anything. Yep. Just be careful with it just to make sure that it gets evenly mixed and you don't have any issue that way. But yeah, uh, just a little bit of boron. A lot of guys are doing that as well. Okay. Thank you. You bet. Yep. Thanks for calling in, Steve. Appreciate it. All right, Brian had a question, uh, well, actually a couple of comments that came in about fencing, and I thought this was quite interesting. Uh, first of all, David from South Africa said, you guys are talking about fence, and likewise here, the landowner is responsible for half of the border fence. I've heard that the rule is that you're responsible for the left side of your fence if standing on your own land and looking at your neighbor's property. Well, this reminds me of the driving rules and where they came from. Most horsemen were and would still be right-handed and therefore kept to the left in combat. Uh, here in South Africa, we still drive on the left. Uh, the differences are kind of cool. Uh, I still don't understand bushels and yields. Hey, thanks. I, <laughs> I don't understand the, feedback, the metric David. system fully either. So, right. But yeah, here in, in South Dakota, it's it's the right side. Okay. Then uh, from Nye, you said, I've, I've pulled a lot of my old cattle fences to combine fields together. It makes getting in and out of the fields easier, but I have kept property line fences. One extra thing that I did is I put some chicken wire up around some neighbor's property lines. Uh, 
because they, they built pretty close, uh, as close as legally possible, to where my combine is going to shoot cobs and sometimes partial ears out. Putting some chicken wire up has helped me be a good neighbor. Interesting. Hey, that's a great idea. I had never thought about that, but, you know, we Brian and I were just talking about is we get more people who want to live out in the country but don't really understand <laughs> what that fully means, being around fields and exactly what's going to happen in the fields and, and those types of things. That's, that's kind of a neat idea. Um, appreciate you sending that in. Thanks for, for watching the show, too. Really appreciate that. Well, we had fun talking about side-dressing nitrogen on today's program. Hopefully, we're, we're applying some nitrogen out in fields and planting corn soon as the snow finally starts to go away here in South Dakota. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.